So this is today. Today is yesterday and tomorrow is also today. You traveled through time to the present. Yes. Yeah, I don't think you get how time travel works. It's like we're stuck. You know, like a, like a needle on a scratch record. I wake up every day right here, right in Punxsutawney, and it's always February 2nd. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. It's a thing where the same day keeps happening. Time. in a damn time loop or something well it's groundhog day again and that must mean that i'm professor robert e.g black and i'm here with luke allen from bottle productions and rocking horse pictures is that what there's Rocking horse media rocking horse yeah. media that's it yeah, yeah, i can not remember the third word here to discuss groundhog day again still i've been doing this for so many years i've been talking about groundhog day forever by the end of this show, it will have been like almost a decade. I love it. Oh, wow. That is quite the commitment. I haven't calculated how many weeks when the end of this show will be, because I don't want to know for sure if it will have been a decade. I started the blog in August of 2013. So yeah, I did your cock and bull minute like just over a year ago on yeah. Groundhog Day as mm-hmm. well. So I feel like I've been here before. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't imagine what it's like for you. Although I don't think we talked much about Groundhog Day, but that was the point. Right. Yeah. We're in minute four of Groundhog Day. I know you didn't see it in the theater. I was going to ask when you saw it. I'm like, wait, you're not old enough to see it in the theater. Are we we assuming that a large majority of the listeners are listening to the other parts of your trilogy? Or is this maybe a standalone? Do I make my minute four a boring comment again? I hope they listen to all three. If you're not listeners, pay attention at the end of the episode. I'll point out what the other two shows are. Minutia X Machina and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. There we go. There. Yeah, I, I don't... When did I first see this? I don't know. I might have first seen it. It won't have been when... I, I, I must have seen it first before talking about it with you last year. I don't think I would have said I was... So you hadn't seen it before that? I, I think I might have seen it once, like, just before. I'm going to check my letterbox and see whether my first viewing is around that time. No. So I, I watched it on... The second time I saw it was 31st of July, 2020. I don't know when the first one was, that's a shame, but still fairly recently. Whereas I'm annoyed because I've watched Groundhog Day four times. The first time I didn't log it because I didn't have Letterboxd. Second time I said I, my review on Letterboxd was as good as last time I saw it. That's a great review for the first time, really. And third time my review was, yeah, maybe it was. <laughs> third time <laughs> my review was also as good as last time I saw it. And then today I logged it as classic. I'm going to change that now because it's still today and I'm going to write as good as last time I saw it. Nice. I have a feeling that I might have, that that me having that same review twice was a genuine accident that I just thought I was funny. Both occasions. (laughs) I will point out to listeners that if you watch this movie enough, you will get to a point where it's not as enjoyable as the last time and then it will come right back around to being enjoyable. That's good. Do, Do you consider yourself just full on the Groundhog Day guy? Like, is that, like, do you think there is anyone out there who knows it better than you? There's probably people that have a better ear for, like, memorizing stuff. Like, since I don't watch it every day anymore, I don't know if I could do all the dialogue from memory anymore. 
but I could when I was watching it every day. Yeah. Like I haven't watched this movie since February and we're in November right now. So I'm basically watching it once a year right now because the blog's over. Mm. The blog continued with it like once a month when I was doing the blog still. And so that would add up. I am about to read, I want to read all the versions of the script again and also read the script for the musical, which I have. And so I can do like my own, when I have an episode without a guest, I'll just go in depth about like differences in the script levels and things. Okay. Some of those will come up in like, even today, some of that comes up, but some won't because it's just weird things that there's no version of in the movie. Groundhog Day repetition jokes that people make all the time, myself included. Do they really bore you? Have you heard all variations of a Groundhog Day repeating the same thing while talking about Groundhog Day joke? Despite the fact that you 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 did the biggest one. No, I think I, I think I I think I kind of like them. Okay. I mean, some they only have it for their headline, you know, like it's Groundhog Day for Wall Street or something like that, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then the rest of their thing, it's not a joke. It's a serious thing about how something is happening again. But also, the, the movie's not a joke, really. <laughs> no, I mean, I, but I quite like stuff like when I watched Groundhog Day on Groundhog Day this year, mm. I put a post on like my Instagram and Snapchat story watching Groundhog Day, really enjoying it. And then about 20 minutes later, I took another photo of the DVD case and put the same comment. Nice. And then I did it again about five, six times. And I had a couple of people message me being like, you've already said that. Why are you repeating yourself? Which, wow. I, which made it funnier to me. Because I suddenly realized that some of my friends are not as good as I initially thought. Well, yeah, a lot of them wouldn't have seen it. I teach a lot of high school students. And generally speaking, some of them have heard of this movie. Most of them have never seen it. But that actually helps with one exercise I do where I show them just his news reports. Okay. One at a time through the film and see if they can guess like what's going, who is this character? How is he changing? What's happening? And they kind of figure stuff out. It's great. Oh, I like that. They don't figure out that it's a time loop. I'd have to explain that part, but they figure out that he is kind of a dick and then he's getting a little better. And by the end, they're like, oh, he went through something. I'm like, yeah, he did. <laughs> Go watch it. It's almost the plot of a Bill Murray movie. Right. I, I'm saying, I don't know. I, I, my brain just assumed that all Bill Murray movies are like that, but I don't know. I just <laughs> made that up as a generalization. A lot of them are, I think. He doesn't often become a better person. No. Okay. Because uh, I suddenly forgot every other Bill Murray movie. He usually just gets rewarded for the slight. I guess they're similar in, in the romantic comedy part here. In that It's not that he necessarily is better. It's that she's seeing that he has better parts. Yeah. And so if you take it as that description, yeah, that fits Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters too. That fits Rushmore, maybe. Uh, it's been a while since I watched that. I think it fits St. Vincent. Yeah. Yeah. And I've never seen Scrooged, but that does seem like the plot. That is that Carol. is the plot of Scrooge. Uh, yes. So, yeah. So a friend of mine, she's obsessed with Little Shop of Horrors mm. and like talks about Bill Murray a lot, but has never seen Groundhog Day. Oh. But talks of, 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 came up a lot recently that I didn't know this was a thing that Bill Murray like deliberately acts weird around fans and then just says, now no one will ever believe you and walks off. I have heard that he's one that does that. He also is weirdly nice around fans too. He might act weird, but it'll also let them get a photo mm. or he'll let, like he, he'll pay for people's lunch when they meet him and stuff like that. He, he's, okay. he's, he's a yeah, weird he, he, mix. He, that's interesting. And that Bill Murray arc that I discussed earlier, like about 10 seconds ago, I think that applies to broken flowers as well. Although I've not seen that in ages. Um, sort of. 
Yeah, I guess you could say that because by giving up the search, he has accepted that he doesn't have to fix things. I don't remember the exact. I can like hardly remember that movie other than that I saw it. There's a very great meta bit at the end because when we actually see what we are supposed to think is the kid he's been looking for the whole time, it's played by his real son. Oh, that's good. But most people wouldn't know that. It's just like an extra little thing. And doesn't he have like a public phone number? Yes. Well, Well, nowadays you can find it pretty easy with Google. But yeah, he has a phone number that rather than an agent as such, he has a manager, but not really an agent. And so he gets jobs by people calling a number and offering it to him. And he will listen to his own messages, supposedly. And then if he's intrigued, he'll call you back. I think that is how St. Vincent. I called up that number recently and his mailbox was full. (laughs) Was that to try and get him on this? Mm -hmm. Well, I'll try again, too. I just. Yeah feel like this is the sort of thing that he'd appreciate mm-hmm. i don't even care if he wants to talk about something else just yeah, get bill murray on here i'm assuming that you in your message also mentioned that you watch groundhog day every day for a year right that's well, i didn't get to leave a message but i was going to oh you were going to yeah the box was full so i couldn't even leave a message i was going to talk about the age rating stuff which probably say what happens in the minute before i tangent anymore this minute begins we're still at the news studio in pittsburgh phil is talking to kenny who we talked about the actor last time, Willie Garson, who recently died. Kenny's talking as we're back. Mid-sentence, if there are any reason you don't want to rush back, I can do the five tomorrow. This is where I would get off on a tangent from the script, because while the station segment was filmed after production was finished, there was a scripted station segment as early as the second revision, including Action News executive producer Gil Hawley, who a lot of his lines go to Larry later. He's hounding Phil about going to Punxsutawney and being back to do the five. And Larry's line about the swallows returning to Capistrano came from one of Gil's lines because he tells Phil, and you'll do it next year and the year after too. When I worked in San Diego, I covered the swallows coming back to Capistrano for 10 years in a row. So he says 10 instead of six. And Phil says, you should have killed the guy who made you do that. And Holly says, I wanted to do it. And Phil says, then you should have killed yourself. I don't want to get stuck with the groundhog for the rest of my life. And then Gil tells a Rita story about the groundhog from the van, which we'll get in a couple of minutes. One of the big things that looking at this minute kind of annoys me is at 30 seconds, we have a cut between two angles. And I, I believe that this, you know, it is genuinely a cut between two angles, but the backgrounds are so different that it's just kind of jarring, even if that background is actually there as a location the newsroom yeah yeah we cut as he tilts his head and like it's just the close-up is such a kind of different background that like i can't tell whether that's actually in the same room or not it's probably is because they filmed in an actual news place but they would have had to film it differently for that like at least in this minute we've not seen that other side of the room right so so that's not an established background no that it's just a bit odd i'm also possibly more knowing of that because like I've only just wrapped editing on Reduce to Clear that that's the mm. sort of thing I'm watching for is whether a cut is jarring. Yeah. And there's a few that I, in the edit, went, oh, I wish I got another angle because that doesn't work. Yeah, sometimes you need that extra angle that establishes, oh, that thing we're about to see is there. Yeah. Like we could have seen Phil walk over to Kenny and he would have had to walk past that same TV, mm. but we never got that. And this isn't the monitor that we got close-ups of. Mm. So obviously, when you're watching it as a whole film, you don't notice those things, no. which is nice and a nice reminder to those few that I those few things I want in my own work. <laughs> Phil replies, "Come on, I want to stay an extra second in Punxsutawney, please." 
Kenny says, look, Rita thinks it would be a great idea to stay around for some of the other events. They should be getting there earlier, I would say. I haven't been to Punxsutawney, but I have been to Woodstock where they filmed for their Groundhog Festival. And it starts like three days before. They got dances. They got auctions. There's stuff going on. So if you want all the other events, you go early. Get some incredible footage. And it's at this point that Phil has noticed Rita and we cut to her in front of the blue screen. And says the people, the fun, the excitement. You haven't worked with her yet, have you? We get Rita on the monitor. Her coat is blue, so she's disappearing into it, which is actually kind of interesting to me because the opening is Phil saying, someone asked him, where would you want to be? And he says, probably right here. And he's pointing at a blue, empty space. And now Rita is part of that blue, empty space. We have an interesting visual sort of theme tying Rita into the plot. I generally argue this is not a romantic comedy. It has romantic comedy elements. Yeah. And I think that plays into that in a nice way. That doesn't bother me. It's going to come up eventually. I'd make the same argument for about time. It's a little more of a romantic comedy than this, but I still wouldn't really call it a romantic comedy because the romance isn't what the film's about. Yeah. Part of that movie is a definitely a romantic comedy. And then it moves on and becomes a different movie. Exactly. In a surprisingly less jarring way than you'd expect. When I'm describing that and going, it's romantic comedy at first, and then it becomes something else. You'd expect that to be like a pretty jarring thing, but it's not. Yeah. He says she's really nice, and we see Phil is still watching her. I think she's going to be a really good producer. I would point out here a thing from the script, because by the second revision, Rita is new. And Phil was the new employee, kind of. He was the, the young guy in his 20s in the original Ruben says in his book, How to Write Groundhog Day, that he originally imagined this story as a young man's journey through life, like Siddhartha. And so Rita was the experienced producer, but by the second and third revision, she's already the new person, and Phil is like the burnt out mm. older guy. I like that as a change, actually. Yeah. Well, I think it works. And there's certain combinations that had to work for that because there was a different character, Tess, that was the one he was trying to like pursue with that date that keeps repeating. And by giving that to Rita, it works a lot better. And that was something that came from Harold Ramis. I recently rediscovered some of my early planning notes for the short film I made a couple of years ago, Unstable, that Robert is definitely mm. bored of me talking about. <laughs> uh, but weirdly, I haven't, well, I, I haven't, s- s- over that long period in which we haven't spoken, I haven't really talked about it because I've made like two other I things. I forget the code for that. Was that a code six? Ooh. I didn't use it a lot. I let you just ramble you and then it, I yeah. just edited it out. Well, I, I, re- <laughs> I recently rediscovered my notes and I, I had a similar thing in terms of the fact that there is a sort of romantic relationship that's sort of the center of the story. And in an earlier draft of the film, they were two people who like were already been dating for a while. Mm. And then it felt easier. Oh, we'll have the meet cute yeah. and we'll have their first meeting. And so to see that that was a process on Groundhog Day as well, it's just quite interesting because I can't remember at what stage that became a decision, but it, it feels the most rational. I can't really see this working on the level where they were both known each other really well. Yeah, but he has a great description. This is from the second revision where Phil says, you can't send Rita out on a story like this. She's just a cub, a pup, still wet behind the ears. Look at her. Her ears are sopping wet. This needs a Woodward or a Bernstein. It's a big story. People need to know. And he's clearly being sarcastic, but Rita hears this intrigued and says, what's the story? Holly says, the Punxsutawney Groundhog Festival. And Rita says, Gil, if it's all right with you, I'd rather follow up on the nurse's strike. (laughs) She's the serious producer who's got real things to do. Whereas in the movie, while she wants to be that producer, she's new. And this is her first time doing an on-location thing. 
So Groundhog Day is rated PG yeah. in the UK and in America, I believe. It is rated PG, yes. Do you have notes on what it was PG for? Uh, according to IMDb, it just says rated PG for some thematic elements. <laughs> That's really vague. It's the most vague. Well, it's still better than the fact that the BBFC website doesn't have anything on it. But the PG guidelines, according to the BBFC classification guidelines of 2019, mm-hmm. a PG film should not unsettle a child aged around eight or older. Unaccompanied children of any age can watch, but parents are advised to consider whether the content may upset younger or more sensitive children. No detail of potentially dangerous behaviour which young children are likely to copy. If that behaviour is presented as safe or fun, no glamorization of realistic or easily accessible weapons such as knives. No focus on antisocial behaviour which young children are likely to copy. Discriminatory language or behaviour is unlikely to be acceptable unless clearly disapproved of or in an educational or historical context, hmm. or in a particularly dated work with no likely appeal to children. <laughs> Discrimination. All of that standard. It's like kids won't like it anyway. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that is that is an odd Do what point. You want. And I'm wondering if that comes to play in anything else where it's like because then it's it, that that concept to me defeats the point of why have it as PG anyway, then right. Yeah. Discrimination by a character with whom children can readily identify is none likely to be acceptable. Mm. References to illegal drugs or drug misuse must be innocuous or carry a suitable anti-drug message. I remember one of my favourite like clean comedians is a guy called Tim Vine. And one of his shows, I can't remember what the actual gag was, but it, in like one of his one-liners mentioned heroin and all of his DVDs were like rated U and then that pushed one up to a PG. Huh. I can't remember what the joke was. I couldn't find any audio of the joke, but I found the joke. My local police chief did a talk on heroin. Nobody could understand what he said. I don't think it was really a big deal, but maybe it was. Because I don't know why else I'd know that it was specifically one joke about heroin. Because at some point I would have read that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So, mild bad language only. Aggressive or very frequent use of mild bad language may result in a work being passed at a higher category. Okay. There may be nudity, but with no sexual context. Sexual activity may be implied, but should be discreet and infrequent. Mild sex references and innuendo only. Frightening sequences or situations where characters are in danger should not be prolonged or intense. Fantasy settings and comedy may be mitigating factors. Violence will usually be mild, however there may be moderate violence without detail, if justified by its context, for example, history, comedy, or fantasy. Mm. I'm trying to figure out whether if we're potentially making age rating the ongoing conversation between them as to whether it's worth randomly delving into one of the other ones so we can tick them all off if we do two now. Next time. Yeah, tomorrow we'll go through... We'll talk about the other rating, even though it doesn't fit that film, we'll get there. Yeah, what have we got left? We've got Universal 12 and 18 left. Well, and there's R18, but that's just pornography, Mm. because that has to also be classified by the BBFC. But yeah, that's Groundhog Day is PG. It does fit within those themes, but also I think it might be on the edge between you and PG, because I can't think of any material really likely to offend or harm and... There is no blatant mention of sex either. They're just lying in a bed next to each other. Well, with Nancy, we get she's sitting on top of him on the couch when they're making out. That's true. But they have clothes on, so it's fine. And I think the movie, because of its plot, 
makes like some of the things like the suicide elements and everything oh, that's not true. even offensive in their way because the whole point is that's the journey to being better and i think the theme actually helps contextualize a lot of what could be a problem yeah that is a very good point actually i i can't believe i hadn't even thought about the suicide i guess that might come up but maybe more just as a content warning rather than a reason for right exactly if this were made now i'd get a content warning but it, I don't think that would affect a rating. Oh. It'd probably still be PG. There'd be like a little thing. In Actually, if it were made now, they'd probably have a little stronger language that so end up PG-13. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think they dropped the one F-bomb at some point. <laughs> There's room for him to really swear. Like when he wakes up after the first suicide and he just says like, ah, nuts. He would have said yeah. stronger. Nuts is good in context. The whole one use of strong language to get it to the PG-13 is something that really bugs me because it's so blatant. But also, I have two short films that have featured strong language. And both of them in the script had two uses of strong language and in the final edit have one use of strong language. (laughs) And that really annoys me. But it is literally just, I get to there to the day, and I think it was at the point of filming on both of them, the actors just realized that the lines didn't flow as well. And we're like, do you mm. mind if I cut that? And I was like, sure. Okay. Or sometimes the actors just don't say it. And I don't feel like I want to tell people to swear if they choose not to. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, just you do you. Yeah. There was one where I thought, oh, maybe that's like a moral decision. But then the actor forgot his lines at another point and was still swearing. So I was like, okay, never mind. It wasn't it's, that. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that. But yeah, that does bug me. So if anyone watches one of my films and goes, ah, he was just trying to get the 12A, then they're wrong. Now, this show is going to have a warning for language. So I will point out a funny thing that just happened. What was I watching? Some movie. The captions, the subtitles added swear words twice that the person didn't say. Really? Oh, it was um together with Tim McAvoy. But it was really strange. Like twice the captions had him saying fucking and he didn't say it. And I was like, I don't know how that ever happened. You don't caption one edit of a movie and then release another. No, that reminds me, actually. There was one point where Peter Kay, fairly well-known comedian here, and one of his DVDs had a non-swearing version, which was just like they were dubbed over with like animal noises or whatever. <laughs> but there were like the two options you could watch. I remember putting on the non-swearing version on one occasion, but forgetting to correct the subtitles. So they were like animal noises, but the subtitles were still there. (laughs) I think the funnier one is watching the normal version with the non-swearing subtitles. So it's suddenly like, and he told me to (laughs) off. (laughs) Well, in the subtitles. I, I have not watched that DVD in years, but I do remember that because I remember one bit that really confused me was it was non-swearing version. And on the back it says, one non-swearing version with one tiny swear word at the end. Where originally I thought, oh, maybe he's like playing along. And then there's like a big, like, I don't know, maybe like he says the C word at the end and it doesn't get bleeped and that's the gag. <laughs> but no, it's that they, they kept just him saying piss in at one point, huh. but they bleeped it at other points where all I'm thinking afterwards is, did the editor just make a mistake and they didn't realize until afterwards? And then I had to yeah, just so that was too late. Back. <laughs> but I have a feeling that that's listed as like the non-swearing version for mums or something it says. I can't remember huh. entirely, but I might try and find that. But that's what I find quite interesting. Kenny says you guys are going to have fun. And Rita has noticed and stopped moving around in front of the blue screen. And we go back to Kenny and Phil. And Phil, I love the way he says this because he's like, mm-hmm, she's fun, but not my kind of fun. <laughs> I will be here for the five. And then something I didn't have in my transcript until this time watching it. So I got something new, sort of. I'd always noticed that in the film, I just didn't realize it wasn't in the transcript. Is he goes, Rita, <laughs> he just like calls her from across the room. <laughs> Which is so rude. Uh, 
And then we'll get to the end as we get to the end, because we've got another thing to talk about first. So did you find what you were looking for? I think so. There's an article about it. Peter K swears by new DVD release. Peter K fans will find the Bolton comedian has come up with a novel way of cleaning up his act when they watch his latest DVD. The Phoenix Knights star has offered the choice of two versions of Peter K live back on nights. One with swearing intact and the other with all the bad language dubbed over with noises like ducks quacking and train sirens. Peter said he hoped having an alternative, which he calls the special non-swearing mums version. The kids can sit and watch with their mums and dad. But yeah, I, I like the concept. It's interesting because, as you said, sometimes bleeping is funnier, sometimes not. I've still never watched it, but Deadpool released a version where they somehow got around all his swearing. Really? I don't know what they did. Okay. Well, they did a version. It's called like a Deadpool Christmas or something like that. And it's Fred Savage sitting down to read the story of Deadpool. So it's like a Princess Bride in joke at the start. And then I guess they avoid it by him skipping over it or something. I don't know. I'm intrigued. I've never seen. I I need to watch A lot of Marvel stuff I haven't seen. I have seen Deadpool and I really liked it. And I want to watch Deadpool 2, but I haven't just I just haven't gone around to it yet. So a Deadpool Christmas, I will definitely give it a whirl. Deadpool 2 overall, not as good, but some of its moments are awesome. I am fascinated by the concept of the Brad Pitt cameo in Deadpool 2. <laughs> like I was reading about that and I was like, I love that so much. It is good. Yeah. And I think he did it for a cup of coffee. <laughs> There's a sitcom which I really like here in the UK called Not Going Out. Mm. And in the earlier seasons, there was some swearing, but it was fairly infrequent. So like when a character swore, it was made a big deal out of. Like it was clearly an impactful moment. But now they bleep instead, which I don't get. Like th- you were on like season nine of a show that in season one had swearing. Huh. And I don't know why at that point you decide to bleep. Especially in the UK, because you don't have that many channels. It's not like it's switched to a different channel that has different standards. That could happen here if like a new network picks up a show that was on cable at first or something. Yeah. So before we get to the end of the minute that takes us out of the studio, I did want to talk about the scene that is not in the movie and was never going to be in the movie because uh, producer Trevor Albert called Danny Rubin up one day and told him the studio needs a reason. They don't think people would get it without an explanation. The original starts with Phil is already well into the loop. He punches Ned without even any explanation, like things are already in progress. And they wanted to start from the beginning. They did want to start from the first loop as soon as Harold Ramis was involved, but they didn't want to explain it. And then they had to write an explanation scene. And the plan, and I think Danny Rubin says he wasn't sure if this was Albert's or Ramis's plan, but was to never actually film it. They chose the script part to the studio and then never film it. So it would never be an option to put it in. I think I heard about that, actually. And so the scene is exterior concert hall night. Phil pushes his way through a line of people huddled in the cold, waiting to get into a concert. He passes the poster for the concert. Iron Maiden says, excuse me, coming through. Oh, nice hat lady. Excuse me. Phil works his way to the front of the line, pushing past. And oh, actually, this is a, this is the gypsy scene. I got to re- shoot. Next time I got to talk about the girlfriend scene. There's two different explanation scenes. Uh, pushing past an old lady, the gypsy. Apologies for the antiquated term. Phil continued coming through. She says, hey. He says, excuse me. She says, why can't you wait in line like everybody else? Standing next to her is her grown son. Son says, yeah, get to the back. And Phil says, I'm not like everybody else. I'm important. He holds up a press pass. And he says, see, now excuse me, I'm in a hurry. And the son says, curse him, Ma. I hadn't read this scene in a while. (laughs) Um, The gypsy gazes defiantly at Phil. And she says, don't be in such a hurry that you don't get anywhere at all. He says, what? 
and the son, knowing what comes next, excitedly lifts a young boy, Stefan. I don't know why they introduced another character up to get a clear view of the old gypsy. And the son says, watch, Stefan. And the gypsy says, go back or I curse you. And Phil says, right. And the glass door at the front opens. Phil pushes his way inside. The door closes, leaving Phil inside and the rest of the line outside in the cold. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it doesn't really get to any of the start of the loop. But basically, that was the setup. Supposedly, that's the setup they gave to the studio. There's actually a much more interesting version I will have to get to in the later, maybe next episode, with an ex-girlfriend of a sort who works at the studio. Yeah. So, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, it's the, the whole concept, it makes absolute sense why it got cut. Like, yeah. It's, it, it feels like, this is probably a very stupid thing to say, it's the exact thing that I would expect a studio to ask for and yeah. the filmmaker to disagree with. It's like just a perfect example of that, where they go, we need an explanation because viewers aren't happy with that. and. What's funny is the ex-girlfriend one is actually a better setup Yeah, when this is supposedly the one they gave to the studio. Because in this one, he's not wrong. If he's there as a press person, he should be getting in ahead of the line. Like He should already be in there. But also they should have a separate entrance for that. It, like Getting cursed for that is silly, and the, but the scene is silly. The ex-girlfriend one is actually sillier, but in a more entertaining way, I think. It's very, very odd. <laughs> but I, I do like the fact that Groundhog Day, for the most part, other than this very brief introduction, obviously, yeah. is just self-contained. That it's just a guy experiencing the loops and the loops are over, the film ends. Yep. And that's it. I really respect that. It's the same as, like, going back to Richard Curtis, Yesterday, as a film, is great because it goes, this guy's in a universe where the Beatles don't exist. That's the plot. Mm-hmm. Why? Doesn't matter. Well, right. About time. Does the same. He can travel in time because he can. The plot is the rest of it. It's just a high concept setup. Yeah. It's weird because it's so different to the last show that we recorded for earlier in the fact that that has such kind of intellectual reasoning behind everything. Yeah. Whereas this just kind of goes, it's a concept. Let's have fun with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think both are great. It's when one tries to draw the line into the other that is where the right. problem lies. We're like halfway into the movie. It suddenly becomes... Most of life is just junk, right? It's, it's filler. Mm. And then there's these moments when all the randomness turns into something perfect. It's like life's dropping all the bullshit for a second to show us how amazing it could be all the time if it wanted to. Hmm. I don't know. I think maybe we're supposed to become like better people. Though I honestly don't even know how that could be possible. Ever think about it? We must miss so many of them. All those tiny perfect things are just poof, gone, lost forever. But not today. That is a disturbingly inspirational idea, Mark. It's a perfect day. You couldn't plan a day like this. Well, you can. It just takes an awful lot of work. The last revision is what counts, apparently. What if we found them all? All the perfect things in this one town, in this one day, we could collect them. That was the problem Ruben had with adding an explanation here is then the plot becomes about dealing with that explanation, which can work if that's the whole plot. That's the plot of 1201. That's the plot of 1201 PM. That's the plot of... I mean, a Phil Connors loop, as we've been terming it, is not about the explanation. It's about the person is just got something wrong with them and they need to be better. That's why a lot of them are Christmas movies. There's a bunch of Christmas time loop movies. I'm trying to see if I can think of any and I can't, but I've not really delved as much into time loop as much as I should because I enjoy it. But Generally, they're romantic comedies. 
the only one I actually liked so far, I think that was Christmas was, well, liked is a stretch, but liked for what it is, is the 12 dates of Christmas, I think is what it's called. So Luke and I did a podcast together, Two Minutes About Time, which we've already mentioned in passing. And we definitely mentioned yesterday on Manushek's Machina because we did About Time, which stars Donald Gleason and Rachel McAdams. And that would be a different kind of loop yeah. because it's one that he can control. Did I name that yet? Let's see. Let's see. No, we got Connor's loops, 1201 loops, overlap loops. So this would be a, let's see. Lake loop. Uh, maybe. <laughs> it's a little. I almost yeah. want to call it a Doctor Strange loop, which also Rachel McAdams, but animated because the what if episode with Doctor Strange was him deliberately manipulating time. Yeah, I feel like we're obviously acknowledging about time as a time loop movie here. Yeah. But it is more time travel than time loop for the right. most part. It involves time loops, but it is, for the most part, time traveling. In its editing, it does create that repeating effect, though, because we yes. see glimpses yes. of stuff in between. So it definitely counts, but I don't know if I'd use it as the one to name it after. Yeah, that's fair. The thing interesting about about time I'd say you, you probably differ here with your detailed knowledge of Groundhog Day anyway, but I'd say that Groundhog Day is way more about the time loops than about time is about time travel. Yes. I would say about time is not really about time travel. Well, I was the one with the big theory that there is no time travel. Yeah. It's just the way he's telling the story. And did you ever have a theory like that with Groundhog Day? Does that come up? The idea oh, no. That, no. no. Some time loop movies are where the loop itself is sort of a dream that someone's having okay. and then they wake yeah. up and it's like the Christmas story kind of thing, which actually in the original story is definitely a time loop story. Yeah. That reference is too American for my British brain to understand. Wait, did no, I say I've Christmas story? Christ- I mean, a Christmas no. carol. Sorry. A Christmas carol. Yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah. Christmas story. No, there's no time travel on a Christmas Christ- story. I was going to say Christmas story. I have not seen. I own Christmas story on DVD, but it is not as, as, as known a film here as it, yeah. <laughs> it is in America. Well, I, I had never seen a Christmas story until... Uh, about a decade ago because i didn't grow up with christmas you know celebrating it yeah yeah christmas carol i am very familiar. so yeah the christmas carol is a time loop story in the first sort of thing so i will have to talk about a christmas carol specifically one of the best adaptations of christmas carol was filmed about 30 second walk away from my college which version there's a lot <laughs> yes I am just going to Google Christmas Carol Shrewsbury. The thing about Dickens is there's no estate that owns them, so okay. anyone can make a Dickens movie. 1984. Mm. Who's the lead? Who's playing Scrooge? I know these are things I should know. It's probably one of the lesser known ones, George C. Scott. Oh, no. That's that's a big one here, at least. That's one okay. I've actually seen parts of it. I've never watched that whole thing of that version. I don't but yeah, that was entirely filmed in Shrewsbury, which is where I go to college. So, cool. for example, there is a graveyard where if you go in, one of the graves is Ebenezer Scrooge. Wait, it's still there? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I, w- I went there cool. last week because the graveyard was locked up a lot last year when I first joined the college. And I always knew it was there. And so I went there last week as a finally like now now it's been unlocked again. Because the thing about a, a graveyard near a college is things go on there that they decide <laughs> to lock up the graveyard for. It's funny now talking about A Christmas Carol because that's older, obviously. But I would classify that as a Phil Connors loop. Yeah. <laughs> it's manipulated to make you a better person. Mm. About time he's not trying to be a better person. No. That first, what is it, 30, 40 minutes is a romantic comedy about him using time travel to meet a woman, basically. Yeah. It's about minute 70 where they get married. And so it's from that point on to minute one, two, four that 
it's a different so it's a little past halfway the wedding yeah and at that point it's a different movie but already other stuff has been kind of established he has a conflict at bang on an hour that finishes itself at 62 minutes yeah it's a it's it's a big conflict that only takes him two minutes Mm -hmm. but yeah it's interesting link to ex machina in the fact that ex machina was connected sort of to my studies was that at gcse i studied a christmas carol as my english text so i know that pretty well i'd never read it until last year when i was a guest on uh next scene podcast which sean was a guest a couple weeks ago yes i did that as well for the end of this minute though we get after he has called Verita, we cut to that cutaway you talked about yeah. of Kenny after Phil has walked away and the camera kind of moves down to the monitor and on the monitor at first, the shot and then we'll transition to the shot itself. Not perfectly because they did it practically. We get a helicopter shot over the Ohio River, a big blue thing I would point out that pans up to the West End Bridge and Three River Stadium off to the left and downtown Pittsburgh ahead. That transitions from the monitor to the footage, and then we get a different shot of downtown Pittsburgh centered on one PPG place. It's panning around to the right and then down to a news van, just barely visible. If this was the only minute you see, you wouldn't know that's the news van, but you can see the news van turning off of Stanwick Street onto Fort Pitt Boulevard. The black building next to it used to be called the Westinghouse Tower, now it's called 11 Stanwick Street. They turn and then it cuts. Yeah, minute fours are boring. Next time we'll be driving. Minute five is driving, and right as you think, it's just going to be driving. Oh, conversation starts. Yay. But we'll get to that next week. Uh, so, plugs? Rockinghorsemedia.co.uk. See all the stuff I'm doing with them, and see the stuff I'm not doing with them, but that they are doing without me. I don't, I don't know if that exists. There probably is. I'm, I'm not expecting <laughs> that I'm on doing everything they're doing, but whatever's on that website, check it out. They're great people. It's a great team. We've got TV pilot in the works. We've got a feature-length documentary. Got short films it's a wonderful place to be they were in london filming for like three or four days that i couldn't make it to for their new documentary simon fisher becker bigger on the inside following simon fisher becker and his experiences as a disabled actor in the film industry and talking to different people about their disabilities from just people who work in health preventing disabilities to people within film who have to face them such as actors ian mcneese who was in doctor who and Anna Karen from On the Buses and a few other things. And I believe this is like her first on-screen appearance in like five or six years when this comes out. So we're checking it out. That's my plug. Check out rockinghorsemedia.co.uk. See all the stuff they're doing over there. And go listen to Two Minutes About Time and go read the Groundhog Day Project blog at groundhogdayproject.com. Thank you for listening. The Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for Manusha X Machina, every Wednesday for more Groundhog Day, and every Thursday for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. Follow this show on Twitter at Groundhog Day MXM and on Instagram and Facebook at Groundhog Day Project. This has been a production of Lemming Drop Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drop Studio Tour. Also, you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time. Through time. What is wrong in the end which never comes? Or which comes again and again? Lap, lap, laughing. Like waves. 
How, I don't know. how do you sleep at night? You've never seen Groundhog Day? Mm. Yeah, you know Groundhog Day is not a documentary. Man, are you hungry? I haven't eaten since later this afternoon.